We're on a mission from God. And now, something completely different. Good morning, I'm Pastor Matt Youngblood-Clark from Ascension Lutheran Church in beautiful South St. Louis. And this is Pastor Jolly John Lekumski from St. Paul's Lutheran Church in New Athens, Illinois, and Trinity Lutheran Church in Darmstadt, Illinois. And we're wishing everybody a blessed Labor Day weekend, right, Matt? That's right. Blessed Labor Day to everyone, and I uh, hope you get some rest <laughs> Labor yeah, Day weekend and yeah. enjoy a day off, perhaps. Isn't and, that uh, ironic that we, we take a day off on Labor Day? On Labor Day. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> so. appropriate. Rest, rest from our labors a little bit, and uh, time for Sabbath rest on uh, this and, weekend, and, too. Uh, Matt and I are trying to struggle here that we've lost our writers. Our writers have gone back to school. I know. Uh, and, and sorry, uh, Diana, I still haven't got... We have this great... It's really funny stuff, but, but next week. Next week, tune in to hear Dinah's contribution because she had some good good humor. But actually, I'm going to take opportunity of the fact that we don't have any prepared jokes today because okay. there are a couple of things I did want to share with our listeners. You okay, know, I, occasionally, sure. I get concerns and make some editorial comment. Could I do that real oh, quickly, Matt? Oh, please do. Go right ahead. Do you realize they're taking the word donut out of Dunkin' Donuts? What? That's that's what that. I reacted to. Are you serious? No, that's honest because apparently donuts quit making things for you up. young people out there for your generation, Matt, or maybe it's the generation before you now because you've you've moved on in generational stuff, haven't you? Are you? I don't know. I'm but, not. I'm not. The, well, I. You know. Yeah. Well, who's there? Are people who out there that don't like to. donuts. Well, I don't know who these people I, are, but I, they're not me. That's right. Well, so it isn't you. It's the generation. It must be. Uh, yeah, it's come after you. Oh, and boy. I'm just, we've got to do something here. So what is it called then? Duncan? You got it's to just dunk Duncan. something. It's going to be Duncan. Yeah, because people don't know. Donuts are a bad thing, but you can go and have coffee. See, they're going to be another uh, Starbucks is what they want to uh, aspire to. And I'm thinking, no, people, we need donuts. Donuts are crucial to our economy. Come on. So, yeah. Uh, that's just my editorial comment. So I hope this isn't a trend. You know, it better gonna, not be. It better not be. I'm so count on the donuts. All right. Oh boy. So politicians, listen to me and Matt. You better start doing things. Make sure there's laws that, that we will have donuts. We don't want that. You're, you're kind of like the 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 Andy Rooney of radio. <laughs> Remember him at the end of sixty yeah, minutes and right. he, you know have something to crab about all the time and <laughs> <laughs> Pastor Jolly John. <laughs> And here's the other thing I wanted to make sure with with our listeners the last few weeks, and we just didn't have opportunity. My retirement plans have been made. Oh boy, they have been. Well, it's, uh -oh. Not, it's, uh -oh. not, it's not for a couple of years. Holy but, cow! But do you see that Taco Bell now is going to do weddings? Oh, great. <laughs> Did you see that? Wait, what is going on? Dunkin' Donuts <laughs> yeah. isn't talking about donuts. Taco Bell's doing weddings. weddings. Why what can't things be simple anymore? But I figure that'll be my gig when I retire. I can do Taco weddings, Bell weddings at huh? Taco Bells. <laughs> Great. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> the Taco Bell pastor. <laughs> they get your chalupa and your... Well, they do. They, they give you a 
bouquet made out of, of uh, 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 taco sauce. <laughs> they what? take the little little packets and make it into a bouquet. And I don't know, for $20, you get a bunch of tacos. Honestly, go this on the talk about this is true. Uh, it's the new trend. <clears throat> the Taco Bell pastor. The Taco Bell. Yeah, well, get your weddings done at Taco Bell. <laughs> so that's not for another couple of years, people, but do contact me at that point if you'd like to be married at Taco Bell. <laughs> We'll set you up. We got to get onto something serious here. Okay. Uh, 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 As if taking away donuts is not serious. All right, now, there's no time for foolishness. So here's my grievance. You mentioned this last week. My grievance is, so I decided I'd do the one-year lectionary, right, Matt? That's and, right. And so quickly, quickly, we'll show impress people with your mathematical ability. How many gospel lessons do you get to use in the three-year lectionary? Uh... Well, during the course of a year, you yeah, mean? yeah, well, counting Sundays, well, counting like Sundays, fifty-two-ish, I guess, since there's fifty-two. Well, weekends, that's weeks a there's year, three right? years, so that'd be so, maybe, uh, so fifty, so 100, over one hundred fifty times, 100, <laughs> over one hundred fifty gospel readings, one hundred fifty-six, if you want to be exact. Well, I, you know, <laughs> I'm just rounding you're to a, the nearest. You're 10. a theologian. You didn't have well, to do math. Well, that's not even the nearest ten. The nearest ten would be one sixty, I guess. See, that's why I became a pastor. There's very little right. math involved. So, so anyway, we got a third of that. We get 52. And so I'm thinking... You well, got short change. Well, but I'm thinking we're going to have the creme de la creme, right? Well, yeah. These are the pick. These are the pick of the Gospels. And so instead, the last few weeks, we've had these just, I don't know. I don't even know why we're having these Gospels. But <laughs> if I were picking... Why are these in the Bible? <laughs> well, exactly. If I had my 52 favorite Gospels, these wouldn't be numbered with them. So we just want to share a couple of them with you today and talk to those people, historically speaking, what were you thinking? <laughs> okay. How did these make the cut? Yeah. So read okay. one of them. Read right. one of them right yeah, here. Yeah, what's the deal? Here, here's the one. Okay. Uh, Oh, what? Yeah. Go ahead. Well, you're you're one year lectionary. I knew at some point you were gonna revert back to the three years. Well, I'm telling you, you're I'm sticking with it to the end of the year. Uh, though, well, we're right? gonna finish it out. Year. That's for, for sure. You. Good for you. But a few weeks ago, we had Luke 16 versus what was it? You got the one thing to there. nine. It looks yeah, like. Yeah, just read okay, that to people, good. and and again, you'll marvel. Why? Why would they include this What's story? The deal here. Yeah. Okay. Now, Jesus also said to the disciples, "There was a rich." man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions and he called him and said to him what is this that i hear about you turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be manager and the manager said to himself what shall i do since my master is taking the management away from me i'm not strong enough to dig and i'm ashamed to beg i've decided what to do so that when i am removed from management people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write, write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. So, Matt, actually, in the three-year election, you do get to preach on this once every three years. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But now I get it every 
year. Lucky you. Yeah. And so what is this? Is this so we got a guy, he's 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 a terrible employee. He's he's wasted his stewardship. And then he goes around and he cheats his master. Is this the kind of lesson we want to be giving our Sunday school kids every year? And it's the, the master's money that he's playing around with. Exactly. Exactly. So what what have you do what have you done with this in the past? Because like I said, you do have to deal with it once every three years, not every year like I'll have to, but what do you do with this text? I preach on the Old Testament. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know what, what tickles me because yeah. we had another text a few few weeks ago and again it was I, why yeah. was this in the three-year lectionary and I and I realized I've never preached on that text before and then I realized that's why because I always chose either the epistle or the Old Testament <laughs> well, but and okay I, and I think the issue is you know not why is this in the Bible but why would this passage be picked out of all those beautiful gems in the yes. gospel yeah. to be included every year in the gospel readings in churches around the world. But but again, so why is it in the Bible? What is Jesus trying to teach us here? That they we're supposed to be terrible in our vocation, and then if we get fired, then then take home as much office supplies no. as you can? <laughs> Raid the supply closet. Uh, well, here, yeah, the I think it's interesting, too, first of all, that whose who's money is the guy messing with? That's right. It's the master's, the master's right? money. Yeah. So I think that's one thing to keep in mind as we try to see how this applies to our lives today, that... You know, all that we have ultimately is well, the master. Right? Okay, wait. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna make some notes here because okay. I'm gonna have to do this again this next yet? year. When you, oh, next oh yeah, 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 yeah. So this all manager, right. maybe we call him a steward of what the master has. Yeah. Everything is the master's, and so that that's really what he's using here. And that sounds kind of underhanded, but when we look at ourselves, I mean, all that we have is is really our masters, right? That that's a good point. He's the one who's given us our daily bread and all that we need. As we've been talking about the Lord's prayer on Saturdays. He's given it all to us. So how do you use that? Well, wait, wait, I just want to yeah, because I think that's a great, that's a good. We need to understand that because we think it's our stuff. We think it's our oh, stuff. Oh, of course. So right here, the whole parable is challenging a basic concept that it's not your stuff; it's your master's stuff, and does kind of cause us to wonder: Have we been actually? doing with the master stuff the way we should so you've now actually kind of put me in the spot of the steward that if i had a final accounting what would the lord have to say to me about the way i had been handling his stuff yeah okay now you've made well, me yeah, uncomfortable I mean, when you think about that i mean if when you look at your checkbook and where, where the checks written how is mm -hmm. that money handled when you look at your your calendar on your cell phone or on your, your planner how's my time spent yeah. how are we managing what the master's given to us because it's not ours it's his it's all right. ours. i like it's that his. All right, where okay. else? Right else. So right I think else. that's fair enough, and I think that's in other places too. Uh, but then we, you have this challenge of this guy being kind of sneaky almost oh, yeah. with the master's yeah. money. Yeah. Uh, and this idea of, of being shrewd is the word that the ESV uses here. Um, you know, to use ultimately the gifts given by our master to us, the means that we have, what we've been given to be stewards of, to use that uh, for for really an eternal purpose here is what it's talking about to use that in order to, as it ends up that you would have uh, that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. You know, this idea that the resources that we've been blessed with to use those things in order to make an eternal difference in the lives of others. Um, and, and that obviously is the point. I, I don't think anyone's suggesting that Jesus is saying that we should be, poor in our vocation. We should be cheating our masters. Uh, it is just, an, although it is amazing that he uses a guy like this for a story. Isn't right? it? Yeah. 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 
Because because no no rabbi would ever teach a story like this. No rabbi would ever mm-hmm. use a sinner mm-hmm. to praise him. But then again, that was the problem with Jesus. He ate and drank with sinners all the time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it's not so surprising, I guess, he would use a sinner as a hero. But but thank you, Matt. He tells us what the point is. Take the what what what's we call it the uh, something wealth. There's a special term for it there. What what does he say? Unrighteous wealth. Yeah yeah. Uh, um, mammon mammon is the word. Mammon is the word. Uh, and, and 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 I learned something uh, about this text that I had not known before. Mammon just doesn't mean what we pray for. Or give us this day our daily bread. Uh, in fact, mammon is what you get beyond your daily bread. That's the definition of mammon. It's the excesses well, okay, beyond of what our stuff. needs are. Yeah, yeah. So it's not what you need. That that's one thing. But mammon is when you have beyond what you need. And like I said, it's such a simple principle. If you have more than you need, what should you do with it? Build bigger barns? No. no. Make friends with it. You know, and I thought, mm-hmm. well, yeah. So that's maybe not such a horrible text. Yeah. Uh, He's commended for his shrewdness. I think maybe sometimes yeah. that trips us up too, but uh, this idea that uh, people are pretty shrewd with their money on the world, how they invest it and what they do with it. and But yes, Christians should be shrewd with it, not not for ourselves, not to build bigger barns, but to make that eternal difference, to make friends, to, to share the gospel so that they would be in those eternal dwellings as well. See, see, there you go. And, and, and you emphasize that before the eternal. And, and again, that's that's the crucial point because worldly people use their wealth to make friends, don't they? Sure. If I got a lot of money, I'm throwing big parties. I walk into the bar and say, hey, drinks are on me because I want to have a lot of people patting me on the back and telling me what a great guy I am. The irony is those friends, of course, are all temporary and mm-hmm. passing because mm-hmm. as soon as you don't have the money to throw a party or buy the free drinks, then your friends are gone. That's sure. what kind of oh, friends like they that, were. Yeah, the prodigal son type deal. Well, exactly. Uh, but, but here, yeah, as Christians, when we use our money to help and to care and to show love for people. These are people that will be our friends not only here, but as you said, these are the people that are going to welcome us into the gates of heaven. So, okay, so that was one of the texts I didn't like, but maybe it's not as bad as what I thought it was. But <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, I think there's a lot to unpack there because on the first read, it's like, what is going on here? Well, again, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, and, and how did that make the top 52 gospel yeah, lessons? Yeah, yeah. But maybe there I was... your point. There was some wisdom in the church fathers. Now, let me share with the other one that I think is kind of odd. We go back a few chapters to Luke chapter 19, and if you want to read verses 41 through 44, it looks like they're mad. All right, here we go. 41 through 44. Okay. This is uh, right after uh, Palm Sunday, right? Yep, yep. Okay. That's that's right. And when Jesus... Well, drank... actually, it's right before... No, it is. You're right. It's right after Palm okay. Sunday. Excuse me. Thank so, you. Okay, so you're Jerusalem right now, right after Palm Sunday. When he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying... Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground and you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. So, again, Matt, this isn't even in the three-year lectionary. I checked this out because I figured, well, surely... 
But no, no, we never preach on this text. Didn't uh, make the cut. Didn't make the cut. Uh, now, there is another thing where Jesus, oh, what it, he says, how often I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks. Yeah. Yeah, now that that is in there. But this specific, uh, specific text about him weeping and, of course, these very strong words of judgment, no, they're not in the three-year lectionary. And I think, well, why did this make the cut? This is kind of depressing. <laughs> uh, kind of depressing. Yeah, it's it's ominous, isn't it? Yep, yep. What are yep. they talking about? Yeah, the enemies and a barricade and being surrounded and hemmed in and torn down and children with you. And and it is ominous when you realize that these words actually were literally fulfilled in 70 A.D. And, and in fact, uh, uh, you almost think that somebody had to rewrite this and stick it in the Bible. If, if you were working only on the basis of your logic and reason, because it is such an accurate picture yeah. of what happens in 70 A.D., the Romans do besiege the city. Uh, uh, the things that happened during that uh, siege are so horrible and so terrible, we cannot repeat them here. Yeah on Christian radio, but if you want to get out Josephus' history of the Jews, you can read about them. Nothing that's happening right now, like in Syria and these other, and there's horrible things happening in those countries, and we should bemoan that as Christians. But that's what was going on in Jerusalem, and then just as he says, they finally, they just overrun the city. Not one stone is left upon another. Uh, Even the holy temple of God is reduced to rubble. But, But here's my point. So why are we preaching on this? What possible lesson would we learn from this terrible apocalyptic story of what's going to happen to the people in Jerusalem? Well, I think from Jesus is the one speaking these words. Yeah. When I think we see Jesus as God, you know, like you said, it almost looks like someone would have to insert this layer. But no, Jesus with nope, his, he's saying it. You know, he, yeah. he knows what's going to happen. You know, he's the son of God. You know, no doubt about it. But I think, too, you have this word of warning from Jesus, but I think you also have um, compassion, too. Yeah. And here, but I think especially like you alluded to that other reading where, you know, during Holy Week, Jesus weeps over Jerusalem and talks about, I would have longed to gather you as a hen gathers her brood, but you wouldn't. And I think we see Jesus' compassion for the people of Jerusalem. And I think he probably has tears in his eyes as he says these words. Because he's just mourning over the fact that they just refused uh, to believe in him. And, you know, it's interesting. See, see, we actually are familiar with this passage, even though we never read it yeah. and we never preach it, uh, at least on a regular Sunday thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe you might do it if you were doing a, a Lenten series or something. Uh, because actually the text about I would gather you, it doesn't mention him weeping. That's not in that, that text. This is the text that says, says he wept. He's weeping. Yeah, but but you've hit upon it. That's the beauty of this text. He's not happy about this, uh, and, and it dawned on me, Matt. You want to talk about the difference between our hearts and the? Oh, I, I won't say our hearts because I believe our hearts are different. Our hearts are new. They have been created new in in God's forgiveness. The thing that you talked about last week. The things that we prayed for. The thing that we have. But let's say our flesh how different we are in our flesh than Jesus. Because when, when we see evil people suffer, we rejoice. You, you go to the movie and, and you watch the bad guy get his comeuppets at the end as, as you, you know he's going to. And if he doesn't, oh man, we hate that movie. Yeah. But but yeah, when we see the bad guy get his uh, due uh, just rewards, we applaud. And I think it's striking to see, that doesn't make Jesus happy. He's not happy that bad people suffer. That makes him sad. It makes him yeah. weep. Um, in fact, the thought occurred to me, you know, people say, well, why doesn't God put an end to all evil? 
Mm -hmm. I didn't just put an end to evil. And, and of course, this text indicates he will. Uh, in fact, what immediately follows this is something that we do talk about. Again, only once every three years, though, the, the cleansing of the temple. Did mm -hmm. you realize that? Huh. That only comes up uh, once every three years. But again, it is the point. Sooner or later, God's going to come and clean house, yeah. right? You yeah. can only be a den of thieves for so long, and then he says, no, it's a house of prayer. we got to put an end to this. So God will put an end to evil. But what we don't understand, it is literally the last thing in the world that God wants to do. Yeah. Think about that. It is literally the last thing thing in the world God wants to do because he doesn't want people to die. He doesn't want people to be damned. He doesn't want people to be condemned. He wants people to repent and live. So that's why we're in a world of evil because God is just too loving. That's the problem. What's wrong with him? Why does he think like us? Let's put an end to evil. And he says, no, I want to forgive evil. That's what I want to do. So it ties in really nicely with what you taught us last week about the uh, Father, forgive us our trespasses yeah. as we forgive those who trespass against us yeah so we're not happy that people have sinned we should be sad and we should want their repentance and their uh forgiveness and their salvation yeah. um so any anything else well, you say I, about I this text another contrast you were talked about the difference between us and jesus yeah. and i think jesus as he weeps over the city of jerusalem is such a contrast to jonah Oh, as he, yes. As he is ready for the city of Nineveh's destruction. So Jonah already hesitant to go to Nineveh and the whole thing with the big fish falling on him and three days getting spit up. And then he shares God's word and people actually repent. And then Jonah just sits on this hillside and he watches, just sort of waiting with a prime spot for, to watch Nineveh get destroyed by God. And he's upset that it isn't. Being destroyed. Yeah, that's and, sad, isn't well, it? Isn't that sad? You know, and he's a prophet. He's supposed to be, you know, sharing the word of God, but yet these are his enemies too. And he doesn't want them to be shown mercy. But here Jesus, just the opposite. Uh, he's weeping over Jerusalem. He wants them to um, to know the, the love of God for them, to know who he is who comes for them uh, that holy week. To know the things of peace. Yeah. That's his excellent words here in the text, yeah. to know the things of peace. And, and, and I hope everybody listening to us right now understands that's the great gift God has given you. He could judge every one of us. He could send every one of us to hell. You talked about that last week in the terms of that petition, forgive us our trespasses. But, but see, that's the great thing, Matt. We know the things of peace, don't we? Talked about it last week in terms of baptism. What a remarkable thing that God says, I know what you are. You're born in sin and conceived in iniquity. You're going to be struggling with that your whole life. But I here to I declare the flood you talked about. Yep, the yep. flood has washed away your sins. And you're now my child. I'm never going to let go of you. I'm never going to let go of you. And, and, and then, of course, the story of Jesus Christ, which is what happens immediately after this. He goes ahead and dies for these very people that are, yep. that are going to crucify him. And, and the supper... This is my body and blood for you for the forgiveness of sins. Oh, I mean, it's just, it's all over there. People rejoice in the fact that God has not rejected you, but he has given you the things of peace. And God help us that we don't take it for granted. That's the dangerous yep. thing, that we would take the things of peace for granted. And then what else is there without the things of peace except God's wrath and God's judgment? Yeah. So, um, and, you know, I think we weep too sometimes and pray for those who reject those things yeah. of peace. And we pray that they too would to know Christ and that they would be able to receive that peace too and know it and rejoice with us uh, that he's come for us too, just as he came for the people in the city of Jerusalem uh, that first Holy Week. Matt, thank you for saying that because I think that's the key thing in this text, that that we're, we're not happy 
uh, over evil people who are punished. We should weep for the people around us that we see that are wicked and struggling with sin, and we weep in the sense that we pray that God will discipline them. Yeah, and if we are involved in that, we have to be part of that, but not because it makes us happy, no. uh, but because we hope that these people will repent and they will receive the things of peace that Christ wants to give them. So, so okay, I, I don't. These weren't the texts I would have chosen, but maybe they're. They're okay. We'll, we'll keep them in the one-year lectionary. All right. You heard it here, folks. Jolly John is going to keep them in the one-year lectionary. After <laughs> centuries of being there already, we'll leave them in. Yeah. It's kind of a tentative <laughs> approval, but, you know, it's an approval. Very good. Well, we'll catch you next week on Wrestling with the Basics.